Good morning, church. So great to see all of you here this morning on this Labor Day weekend. We have a tradition here on Labor Day weekend to focus this particular Sunday on the issues of faith and work. How does who we are, as many of us are followers of Jesus, how, how does our faith in Jesus Christ integrate, have anything to do with what we do during the week, Monday to Friday? We'd like to explore that theme uh, today. So to do that, I want to read to you from Genesis 2. And if you'll turn there in your Bibles or turn to page 9 in your bulletin, this is actually an interesting text because it includes the end of the first creation account and the beginning of the second creation account. And I wanted to do both of them because what you'll see is that in the heart of both of these accounts of creation is the subject of work. So let's, let's look at that together. Let's pray as we go to God's Word. Come, Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves before your word. We pray that you would help me in my weakness and all of us in our weakness, that we would not only hear your word today, but be changed by it and respond to it with obedience and love. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Genesis 2, 1 through 7 and verse 15. Hear God's word. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the second account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. No plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Brothers and sisters, This is the word of the Lord. There is a problem in our lives when it comes to integrating our faith with our work. So much of what we do and who we are is our work. It's what we ask each other about at parties. It's how you introduce yourself. It often determines your friends or your social groups. If you're a kid here, I bet adults ask you about what you're going to do when you grow up. It often dictates the direction of our lives. And yet, for many of us, there is this huge gap between what we're doing right now on a Sunday and what we end up doing tomorrow morning, who we are as Christians and who we are as workers during the week. Some of this, honestly, is the fault of the church. I'll, I'll never forget a story that one of my friends who's a pastor told me that One Sunday, in the beginning of the fall, he invited all the Sunday school teachers up to the front to lay hands on the Sunday school teachers and to pray for them, something they did every year. Now, after the service, one of these teachers came up to him and was furious, and he was very surprised, and he said, what's what's wrong? (laughs) I thought you would appreciate that, but she said this. She said, I spent an hour a week teaching Sunday school, and they haul me up to the front every year to pray for me. And I spend the rest of the week teaching full-time in the public schools, and the church has never prayed for me once. And suddenly he understood the problem. What are we communicating when we do stuff like that? We're communicating that what God really cares about are church things, spiritual things, your quiet time, prayer, Bible study. 
But what you spend the great majority of your time doing in the world, eh, God probably just doesn't care about that. Now, this is actually a huge problem. If you don't believe that there is any integration between what you do Monday to Friday and who you are as a Christian, then either one or two things will happen. Either you will come to believe that what you do on a daily basis in your work is meaningless and actually has no spiritual purpose to it, or you will begin to feel that your faith is totally irrelevant and has no connection to reality. In fact, one of my favorite British essayists, Dorothy Sayers, wrote a lot about work, and once she said this, how can anyone remain interested in a religion which seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of his or her life? See, if the good news of Jesus only affects your spiritual life, only has something to say about your soul and where you're going to go when you die, and has nothing to say about what you spend the great majority of your time doing in the world, Monday to Friday, then frankly, friends, it's not good news. Frankly, it is a little church game that we're praying today that has no impact on the actual reality that you're living. But here's the good news. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over everything. And that means he is Lord not just over your soul and over the church and over your spirituality. It means that he is Lord over all. He is Lord over your work. He is Lord over your job. He is Lord over your school. He is Lord over your industry. He is Lord over all things. And what that means is that he is in the business of renewing every square inch of creation. So everything that you do matters. Everything you do matters because Jesus is Lord. So we want to ask some questions today about what would your work be like if you really believe that, if you integrated your faith in Jesus Christ with your everyday work. So I wanted to interview somebody, who, a member of our congregation who is seeking to do this, to integrate his faith with his everyday work. And I thought about interviewing him in front of you, but then a group of us thought, why don't we just go to his workplace and to interview him there and to see how he's actually doing his work. And so a group of us went up to Parker Garrett's, um, he has a small manufacturing company up in Ashland. We went up there on Wednesday and we interviewed him on site and Alex Sawyer, really want to give him thanks. He spent the last couple days working really hard to make it so that you could see the interview today. And so what I want you to see is watch how one person in our congregation is seeking to integrate his faith with what he does on a daily basis. So let's watch. Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> you doing all right? So this is Emsco. Yeah. yeah. This is us. It's awesome. So yeah, we're uh, just doing our thing this morning. So. So can you tell us a little bit about what Emsco does? What do you do? Um, what do you guys do here? We build um, um, build electronic components that go into other people's machines. So if you somebody was to take apart something in their house, like uh, their um, take apart your your dishwasher and pull off the front panel and they would look inside of that there'd be electrical wires and circuit boards inside of there that make the dishwasher do all its functions and so we essentially those people that build those kind of items come to us and say hey can you build those electronic components for us and uh, we'll take them in sets and so that way they can just pull out of a box everything they need to make their machine run electronically right so wow. that's what we do amazing can you give us a little tour yeah, of the place? Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so uh, this is. Uh, um, I'll just introduce you to some of my yeah. folks. And uh, yeah. so um, that's Rhonda over there, uh, working on a control panel. And uh, this is Khadija. Hi, Khadija. Hey, good to meet you. And uh, this is Lee May. Hi, Lee May. 
and uh, this is Corey, and, uh, and that's Boomy over there. And, uh, and Charlie, so Charlie was the first employee ever here, um, and uh, so he was hired 17 years ago. It's, it's pretty obvious that this is a really international group of people. Has that just happened naturally, or? I had the fortune of, before I was here, of being involved in um, some of the refugee resettlement uh, mm -hmm. programs. Mm -hmm. And so when I got here, I, I saw that it was obviously a more international um, uh, you know, background. You know, and since then, it's been an, certainly an intentional part of when we're thinking of, OK, yes, we may need somebody else, somebody new. We don't just, I've never listed on a regular listing. Mm. I've never, ever done a job listing. So mm. we, have, we had eight people when I was first here. We now have about 28 people. And mm. all those people in between not one of them came through a job listing. So you go, you work directly with the resettlement services. So you post what jobs time, might be yeah. available, and, and, and I don't even week. post with them. I just literally call them and just say, "Hey, um, just so you're aware, we're you know, because uh, I certainly give our employees. I, yeah. I tell them too. I'll say, yeah. "Hey, if you guys know anybody, so we use referrals, and, right? And uh, so some people literally came because they were in I mean, Bumi and Sarab, who you know originally from India, they came because they were a next-door neighbor mm. to an employee who was already mm. here. Right I here. bet that makes just for a really fascinating community here. <laughs> it's pretty um, fun. You guys yeah. all kind of eat lunch together, and yeah. everybody has different kinds of food that they're eating. And oh, yeah. Yeah, the break room, really? uh, the break room, uh, the smells coming from the break room are quite unique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, um, I mean, it's hard. I can already tell a little bit the answer to this question, but how do you think your own personal faith in Christ sort of informs what you do here. I mean, this is not a, obviously a Christian company. You serve all yeah. sorts of clients and yeah. everyone here is from different backgrounds and yet it's obvious that your faith informs what you do here and how you actually conduct your business. Yeah. So can you reflect on that at all? We are, um, uh, I think, called to find ways creatively to like help create an environment that can be can work well for people of all nations kind of thing and that and that has challenges immense challenges when it comes to language in fact we've got a program uh, we uh, recently have started with Rosetta Stone where for some of our uh, folks that are newer here and maybe potentially newer in the US um, having more um, uh, having daily language training here on site um, and one that's adapting to where they are and kind of helping them walk through how to be able to communicate because we feel like that's a great stepping stone to them being able to really flourish here is being able to speak a common language. Right. And we are trying to give them the tools necessary to be able to right. learn and converse in that. And, um, and that's probably one of the most significant challenges, yeah. certainly for, yeah. for having a thing that's where we're intentionally wanting to bring in folks and give opportunities right. to people right. that are from all nations. Yeah. That, that's a Yeah, the, choice, the choices that you've made and how you operate your business um, have actually created, I mean, it's, it, it means that it's more complicated, yeah. but you're really working hard to how to build unity and, and grace in the culture here despite those yeah. difficulties. I mean, what, what about some of the ways that you... I mean, you're building something. You're contributing to the society. You're, 
I mean, you helped me operate my dishwasher. Like, if, <laughs> if it weren't for you, like, my life would be falling apart, but I didn't even know this existed, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're contributing to the common good. You're helping yeah. create a society that runs better because of what you produce here. Um, yeah. Can you think of examples of the ways that, um, I don't know, you do your business differently? Because yeah. I would say certainly the things like um, you probably wouldn't even see looking here, almost 100% of everything that's uh, not used in the product that goes out the door is recycled here. There's a few things we can't recycle yet, mm. and so those are having to go to the landfill, yeah. but even that initiative is guided by right. the faith side. Yeah. I mean, the fact yeah. that I think we're put on earth not to just abuse the abuse earth, the but, earth to but to actually take care of, take it, care of it, steward it. For our customers, where it gets back to how is our faith guiding how we treat our customers, certainly, I think if you talk about our vendors, we pay our bills on time. You, know, you pay so, your bills on time. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's a, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a, a big deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> like, you know, so we, we, we treat we, 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 we treat them in a way where we would want to be treated, yeah. right? We yeah. don't drag them out on things. And, um, and, and then we, on the customer side, we more, I think, do things internally here that if they came here and did an audit, if they, and I even, in fact, encourage our customers and, that, you know, and, and all of us that interact with them, like anytime you want to just stop by, you literally can just pop in the door. There's no secrets here. We're not putting on a show when you show up. Like you can show up here, see exactly what's going on. And I think part of that is a transparency that's allowed for the fact that we believe that the more they see about what we actually are doing in terms of that we actually are not just a sweatshop. Right. Yeah, we're a, we're a right. place that is really, you know, um, values our people, values the, the act of actually building things. Right. In fact, we really prioritize and value the actual building. Mm. Process mm. because we think working with your hands is dignified and not with the lesser people. Right. Hey, what I love about what you're saying is that so many businesses, even businesses like this one, you know, they, there's just, there's one bottom line, yeah. profit. Yeah. And what I see here and what I see in you and what you're saying is that, of course, you're trying to create profit, yeah. but there's also other other bottom lines. There's yeah. Love. There's dignity. There's grace. There's how you're treating your customer. There's the dignity of work, and yeah. um, and that makes it more complicated. The yeah, the environmental feature, the yeah. creation, stewardship of creation, and that that makes it more complicated for you as a business owner. But that's it. Also, like brings you joy and yeah. is help helping to create a, 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 a place of work that is not only benefiting people monetarily, but is really benefiting. All of our lives and yeah. the world that we live in. So Agreed. I think that's awesome. And that's another thing we do here that's very different. We don't do assembly line production. Somebody takes the product all the way from so the beginning to the from end. The very beginning to the very end. We believe that if we make the process work correctly and we give people the right tools and the right training. And then at the end, give them the right ways to make sure that what they did was right, then the products will be right. But it means we need our people, you know, uh, to be much more knowledgeable. They can't, but again, that's, to me, that gives them dignity. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're not just going to, they're not going to come in here and they're not going to do the same action over for, and for over and over, and over, and over again. again. They're going to do that action 
and then they, for that particular thing they're building, and then they're going to the next step and the next step, and they're going to see the thing go from just a bunch of pile of materials to a finished product that's fully functional. And so that's kind of a, a different philosophy. It, it's a lot more challenging uh, in terms of getting people where they really can handle that full right. scope. Right. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us interrupt your day yeah. like this and for showing us around. We're, yeah. It's really exciting to see what you're doing and how God is at work here. So, yeah. thanks, Parker. Hi, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah. matters. Your work matters. Everything matters. I just want to reflect with you just briefly, why? Why does it matter so much to God? And there's just two themes I want to just touch on that we see in our text and that we see in this interview that came up. The first theme is this, of why work matters so much, and it's because work is good. Work itself is good because it bears the image of God. You know, this is actually not a very typical view. Uh, the common view of work that is that work is bad. It's evil. It's something that we're just trying to slog through to get to Friday. Maybe even if you're a Christian, you might think that work is a, a result of sin or a consequence of the fall. That is not a Christian view. That is actually a view that comes from Greek philosophy. Uh, Plato and Aristotle argued in their work that work was demeaning. It was reserved for the lowest classes of society and that human beings should seek to be like the gods who did not work but who enjoyed leisure and contemplation and that you should seek to withdraw from the active life and devote yourself to the life of the mind. Now contrast that with the biblical story that we just read earlier. The very first page of the Bible, what do you see? You see God at work. You see God creating and making and gathering and producing and setting and ordering and planting and digging. And he delights in his work. When he works, he then stands back from his work and says, man, that's good. It is good. He delights in his labor. And then he creates men and women to be like him. Chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. He makes human beings to co-labor with him, to partner with him, to care for and tend to creation. He says, I am a working God and I delight in my work. And so now you will bear my image so that you can take delight in this work of creation as well. So work is not a necessary evil. It is not a punishment for the fall. It is something we were made for. It is deeply embedded within us in a way that we are like God. And what that means is that work matters. All of it. Our work has dignity. Our work is significant. No matter how ordinary or seemingly insignificant it may feel to you, it is a profound way that we can point to God, mirror him, and bring him glory in the world. I really don't think we believe this. In fact, even among Christians, we, we tend to operate with this unspoken hierarchy of jobs that we believe are the most important jobs to God, right? So at the very top of the hierarchy, the pyramid, if you will, are people who become missionaries. 
or pastors, right? Their work is the most important work to God. And then just below them, you might have like the helping professions, the teachers and the doctors and the nurses and the counselors and the social workers. And, and maybe below them, you, you might have like, I don't know, the engineers or the architects or the tradespeople. And you just keep working down and down and down until all the way in the bottom, you, you know, have the, the lawyers and the bankers and, 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 the, and the, people, the people who work for Capital One, you know, they're all down there at the bottom. Now, now this is a false hierarchy. If we believe the Bible, we must blow it up because it's false. Every work matters to God. And every job, when done for God's glory, has the power to point to God and to bear his image in the world because every person is uniquely created to be like him. So one person's mechanical abilities, another capacity for logic, another's physical strength, another's intuition and counseling skills, another's musical or artistic gifts, a designer's way with color, an author's way with words, an architect's way with design, and mechanic's way with machines, a teacher's ability to make the complex simple, a, a grandparent's or a parent's desire to protect and foster life, a farmer's capacity to wait patiently for the harvest. See, all of these things image and mirror the God who does all those things himself, who teaches and builds and gardens and designs and heals and fixes and creates and repairs and serves and invests and harvests and parents and grows. See, God does all those things. And when we do them, no matter how ordinary, we are mirroring the God who made us, bearing his image bringing him glory through his work. Did you see in that video how Parker just, how excited he got when he started talking about cables, you know, electronics and how to make machines more efficient. And I got to be honest, I was pretending to be interested, but, but my eyes just started glazing over. Like I just, half the time I didn't know what he was talking about. But Parker, in the unique way that God made him, is bearing the image of God and pointing to God's glory. He is mirroring the God who takes delight in bringing order out of chaos and, and systematizing the raw materials of creation and making something good and fruitful out of it for others. And so what this means is that your work matters. It is one of the key ways that you can experience God and bear his image. Now, for some of us like Parker, that will be self-evident because you find yourself doing something that you're, you love to do or that you're gifted at. Others of us, it will be harder. Maybe you're doing a job that you don't like. Maybe you're stuck at home with a crying baby. Maybe because you have retirement or illness, you're, you're struggling with, with feeling purposeful in your work. But the good news is that no work is ordinary. No work. No work is degrading. In fact, Paul in Colossians, when he writes, do everything unto the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is writing to indentured servants, to slaves. He's saying your work can bring glory to God. Whether you are changing diapers or studying algebra or sweeping floors or managing portfolios or painting a wall or mailing an encouraging card to a grandchild, whatever you're doing is something valuable when it is done under the glory of God and when it is mirroring God's, what God is doing in sustaining and helping creation flourish. And this also means that everyone you meet who is at work has great dignity and value. The gardeners, the mailmen, the nurses, the caregivers, the Walmart greeters, the cashiers, every person that you encounter is brimming with dignity, is, is a visible barrier through which shines the creative work of God. And they deserve our honor. They deserve our honor. And so the God we worship is a God who works, who loves creation, and so everything matters. Okay, that's the first great theme we see. The second theme I think we see 
in this creation account and in our interview is the purpose of work, that the purpose of work is love and the common good. If I ask you why you work, most of us would probably say, if we're honest, to make a living. And that's okay. We need to make a living. We need to pay our bills. We need to pay our mortgage, all that. But the Bible says that's not enough, that there's a purpose to work that is deeper, that work enables us to love our neighbor by contributing to the common good of the world. God puts humans in the garden to tend it and care for it, not just to make a paycheck, but to steward creation, to help the world flourish, and to make it a livable, beautiful place for other people. So what does work do? It makes us useful. It makes us beneficial for the good of others. Now, you may be thinking again of the the helping professions. Those people are for the benefit of others. But I mean everyone. Everyone can do their job in a way that actually benefits the common good. Think, if you had a bowl of cereal this morning for breakfast, as some of you I'm sure did, think about all the people that helped bring that bowl of cereal to your table. Farmers planted and cultivated the wheat. Scientists checked the food for purity. Bankers arranged for financing. Engineers created the farm equipment. Warehouse workers loaded onto trucks. Drivers drove the trucks. Somebody laid the miles of interstate. Police kept the highways safe. Someone stocked the shelves at the grocery store. Someone cashiered you out at the grocery store so that you can go home and put it in your pantry. All of this for your bowl of cereal. Did you know that? All that for you. (laughs) Work... Any kind of work is contributing to the common life of the world, joining God in what he is doing even now to sustain creation. That is the ultimate purpose, love. Love for God, love for neighbor, love for the common good of the world. So don't just work to make money. It's a lousy reason for a job if that's the only reason. There are many jobs that are profitable and legal but are not strengthening the fabric of our world, working for the common good. Let me just be honest, you know, wealth creation is actually a very good and godly purpose of work, but for Christians, maximizing profit can never be the only end in itself. Because when it is, it always results in poor service, unjust compensation, dead-end jobs, dehumanizing bureaucracy, polluted rivers, and backstabbing politics. For us, we work for love. We work for the common good. We work to reflect what God is doing in the world. Look. It Parker's business. Again, Parker doesn't do anything, everything perfectly. He would be the first to admit it. But look at the way he thinks about his business, whether it's how he hires or treats his employees, how he recycles materials and stewards creation, how he handles his bills with integrity, creates products with excellence, rethinks the manufacturing process so someone can build something from start to finish and experience the dignity of manual labor. His company has more than just profit as their bottom line. They're manifesting love. Love for people, love for God, love for creation. So for Christians, that's our bottom line. So we've learned these two simple things today. That work, your work matters for many reasons, but at least these two. That first of all, work is good because it bears God's image. And second, because it has a noble purpose, which is love. Love for others, love for neighbor, love for God. Now, some of you uh, may be thinking right now, come on, preacher, get real. Work a day job. And then you'll know what you're talking about. And I admit it. I don't know what it's like to be you. and to work in the field of work that you're in. And work is hard for all of us. It's even hard for me. My job is hard. Some of us hate our jobs. Others of us are in jobs that we don't enjoy. Some of us are unable to work because of age or injury or unemployment. Some of us overwork and and maybe our our lives or our families or mental health are suffering because of it. Others of us experience frustration and discouragement in our work every single day. The fact is, friends, that even though work is good and part of our meaning as humans, as we all know, Genesis 3 happened. So work is also cursed. 
just like everything else. Work feels fruitless, meaningless, pointless at times. We can get discouraged and overwhelmed. We never feel like we can get accomplished what we want to make. It can ruin us, ruin everything. And for these reasons, I am so thankful that we can end this reflection on work and begin a new season of work or school at this table where Jesus stands as the host to welcome us in his grace. Here's the good news, friends. Your work is cursed, but Jesus came to bear the curse. Jesus came to bear the curse. He came into the world as a common laborer. He personally experienced the futility and difficulty of manual labor and work. And then he died for the curse, taking on the totality of sin. He rose again, triumphing over death, not just to save our souls, but to save our work. Specifically to save our relationship to our work, to liberate the ways that work enslaves us, that we misuse it and it uses us. So much of our identity is drawn from our work, which is why bad days can be so debilitating, why unemployment can be so demoralizing, and why when we age or cannot work can be so discouraging. But what happens when we come to the table, when we come to Jesus Christ, is we find a new identity rooted in him, and we can have a restored and right relationship to our work so we can work for the right reasons. You know, I just came back from a three-month sabbatical, which was such a gift. And one of the things that happened when I took a sabbatical is I realized just how much my identity had become bound up in my job. How much my, my successes, my failures how I was doing, how the church was doing, what you thought of me, how much of all these things were bounded up in the way that I thought about myself. And finally, detached from my work, I was able to remember that I am not primarily a pastor. I'm not primarily a leader. I am not what I do. I am not what I have. I, I am not what you think of me. I am more than my worst moment. I am more than my best moment. That who I am is a man who belongs to Jesus. That's who I am. And that identity is grounded and firm and unshaking, even if everything else in my life changes. And that's what we remember when we come to this table. You remember that despite whatever is happening in your life in relationship to your work, you come here to this table and you remember who you truly are. You are a person who belongs to Jesus Christ. You are a person who belongs to Jesus Christ. And that gives you an identity that is deeper than everything, deeper than your performance, deeper than your work, deeper than your accomplishments, deeper than your successes, deeper than your failures which means that knowing who you are in Christ, you can finally be free so that hard days will not destroy you and good days will not inflate you and long seasons of disappointment and futility will not undo you. Would you come to this table and find in Jesus Christ your true self, someone who belongs to Christ? Would you rest deeply in him and his grace? So that out of that grace and out of that rest and out of that knowledge of who you are as one who belongs to Jesus, you can finally work for what actually matters. Don't you want that? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to save our work. You came to save us from the curse of work. And we know that one day, goodness gracious, we will be in the new creation and uh, we will still be working, but the curse will be gone and it'll be amazing. And uh, all, we will experience the fulfillment of our work. And we will know what it's like uh, to not to be free from our work, yet to be, give ourselves to our work freely. Help us to come to this table now and receive the gift of our identity in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Friends, we'll be using um, the, the liturgy on page 11.
of your bulletin, if you want to turn there. This is the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. We come to this table with thankful hearts. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Holy and merciful God, our Father, you have made us in your image and for yourself. You've made this good world for us to tend and to enjoy. God, our Father, hear the praise of grateful hearts. You sought your ancient people when they strayed from you. You freed them from the oppressor and brought them home. God, our Father, hear the praise of grateful hearts. You have sent your Son to bring us home to you by his incarnation. You have found us. By his death. You have freed us. By his resurrection. You have freed us. God, our Father. Hear the praise of grateful hearts. In union with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our great high priest, and with all who worship you, both in heaven and on earth, we offer you our praise, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, listen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and then he broke it, saying, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he poured it out and he said, this is my blood that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so now, whenever we gather like this and we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the death of our risen Lord until he comes again. Let's pray together. Holy and merciful God, our Father, send down your Holy Spirit on our bread and wine that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ and on your people that we may be the body of Christ reconciled to you and to each other by his blood. By your Holy Spirit, Make us, let's say together, one with one Christ, Christ, one, one with, with each other, other one, one in mission to all the world, world, until Christ shall come in final victory, and we feast together at his heavenly banquet, so we cry, Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. The way that we do communion here is um, we just invite you to come forward, the ushers will dismiss you row by row, and you come down the side aisle, and you can pick up. You can just, uh, there'll be two stations. You can rip a piece of bread from the loaf and dip it in the cup. And if, you're, if you have an allergy, there's a, there are gluten-free wafers here at the table for your use. And for those of you guys in the balcony, there's a station up there for you to use. Who should come? Anyone who has repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus Christ may come. You don't need to be a member of this church or Presbyterian. Someone who has said, I am a sinner and I need to be saved and given the forgiveness of Jesus Christ by grace alone. If that's you today, you're welcome at this table. If it's not you, you can do a couple of things. You can either uh, stay in your seat and reflect using prayers on page 13. You could come forward and just put your hands over your chest like this and someone will pray for you. Or you can trust in Jesus Christ today. You can come up and receive his grace through the table at the very first time and then tell me or Derek or someone after the service and we'll tell you what to do next. So friends, come to the table. Rejoicing that our host, Jesus, is present here right now, ready to give you his grace, that he has died and risen and ascended and given your spirit, and he's coming again to make all things new. He's giving you all that you need so that you can work for him in the world. So, servers.